Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Loki, I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Loki Season 2, Episode 3, 1893. Woo-hoo! Yeah, woo, love yeah, that year. Good baby. year. Good year. Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. No, 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 no. Lots of, lots of, eh, it's fine, I don't know. Anyway, if you bad. haven't seen the episode on Disney+, Plus, please do go, go watch it because we're going to spoil it. And here, per the title, whole gang goes back to the 1893 World's Fair. We get a lot of answers about what happened after the death of He Who Remains as Ramona and Miss Minutes go back, give a TVA manual to Victor Timely, the precursor of He Who Remains, a.k.a. Kang. And then through there, they jump forward in time where he is a flimflam man at the World's Flare. He uh, hooks up with Ravona and Miss Minutes again, and they want to potentially turn him back into He Who Remains. It's not 100% clear yet, but by the end of the episode, Loki and Mobius have tracked them to the World's Fair, got into a big fight with Sylvie, who wants to kill Victor Timely. Um, Ultimately, Sylvie lets him go. Loki and Mobius take him back to the TVA, where his, not essence, I don't know, whatever it is, digital signature, can unlock some doors that will allow them to go to the loom, which is the thing that weaves timelines back together. And at the very end of the episode, Sylvie kicks Ravona into the end of time where he who remains corpse still is rotting. And Miss Minutes shows up and says she's got a big secret. And Ravona isn't going to like it. And that's where we end the episode. Now, Pete, why don't we go to the positive first? You said you really liked this episode. Um, I, we got to start, though, with the Marvel flip, right? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. It's exactly the first thing I have in my notes. Marvel flip with the old timey music. It's fun, right? It's a fun, Very great fun. way to start the episode. Mm-hmm. You know, respect to the comics as you're flipping through, and then the kind of old-timey music takes over as it transitions into this new time period. I wrote down fun with three exclamation points. I was having a blast at the start of this. And then they did the kind of Avengers theme on the old-timey piano. Like, what an extra little layer of bonus there. That was really fun. Mm-hmm. Did you get, did you hear that? Yeah, I did. My first note is old timey Marvel theme. 
Right. I didn't, I didn't put any exclamation points next to it, but I did like. You it. weren't having fun at that point. You I was like, having oh, a good time. Is- well, I liked the second episode of this season, so I was pretty jazzed and into I'm it. just talking about taking a song that you know and then throwing a little old timey magic over it. I know. And giving it I agree like, with you. Well, I don't know why you're harping on me for saying I agree with you. I'm trying <laughs> like, to start on the same page of fun and excitement. We're on the same with you page. Fighting me we're the on whole the same. Way. I am absolutely not. I liked it. Great. I'm sorry. Yeah, I liked it and episode, didn't absolutely love it and think it was the best thing of all time. Is that well, let's take is that, that down? We're not on the same page. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Like, hey, this it was a fun start. This is the best thing I've ever experienced. It's a creative, fun start to the episode that does a great job of bringing you to this old timey period. Yeah. Um, so then we kind and of. I think um, we can wrap up there probably now that we're both in agreement. If yeah, you'd like to support job. this podcast, hey, all, all right, right. take it easy, take okay. it easy. So I'm not as familiar with the origin story of Kang, right? But it feels like in this episode. This guy just starts off as a kind of a, a young kid who's trying to hustle his way way around the streets of Chicago, just like everybody else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Can we? Uh, can I lay out the continuity here a little bit? Because I do think it's Wait, mi- but, mildly confusing. I agree, no, no, but just, I also I do like what we're working towards because I want to get you know, Dada and Kang in the same room just to see what's happening because they both kind of have a love of, uh, you know, the TVA and time travel Mm -hmm. and all that. So I think that I'm excited about what's going to happen in the next episode of them meeting. Yeah. Uh, Yes, that'll happen. You'll see that. Wait, you don't, I think that's cool too, right? Okay, great. So we're both on the same page there. Wait, can I talk about just for our podcast listeners here? Uh, about the continuity of the thing, in case anybody was confused. I'll keep it relatively brief. So what's happening here is that they killed He Who Remains. He had a plan. The plan is send a TVA manual back in time. So Ravona and Miss Minutes go back to Chicago, 1868. This is on the sacred timeline. This is the main timeline of the MCU. When Ravona gives the TVA manual to this young Victor Timely, who eventually becomes He Remains, and Kang, and all the other variants, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That creates a branched timeline. When we go to 1893 and meet Victor Timely, that is a branched timeline, not the sacred timeline, so it is a variant of He Who Remains, a variant of Kang, etc. That's all. That's the only thing that I wanted to specify, just because I do think it changes things a little bit. Like, it's not Victor Timely instantly becomes He Who Remains, the version we meet here is different. More, yeah, yeah, it's a different version, exactly. Yeah, and so the the assumption they don't explicitly state this, but the assumption is that he who remains did not get the TVA handbook. This Victor Timely did, potentially to speed things up or something like that. Not totally clear. Yeah, yeah. So it should be interesting once they get this kind of variant back to see if his. Mm-hmm. Will he will be able to open up the doors and stuff like that? We'll see. But at the very I, least, he did kind of invent the loom. Like you saw, his technology was the basis of what the TVA is working off of. So yes, he definitely invented. So we get to see him invent some sort of the loom. It turns out it doesn't actually work or anything yeah, like that. He's a little bit of a con artist. He's, he's a little bit of a con artist. Her. And yeah. also the other thing, when eventually we go to his workshop at the end, he's holding up this little. 
time ball-y thing. Mm-hmm. A lot of people online have pointed out that it's very similar to the craft that Kang uses in Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. So it seems Ooh, like he's leading. Maybe they're trying to imply he could become he who remains. He could become Kang the Conqueror. He could become something entirely different. That, of course, yeah, is the he joy could end up of the managing infinite. that McDonald's that, uh, you know. 100%. Uh, Wait, can I, before I forget, so can I mention a crazy theory that I heard online that I'm now semi convinced is true about that McDonald's manager? Is okay. that that's Mobius. Oh, interesting. Right? I think the theory is mostly based on their no, both I, I want him to be like working at like a lake or something where he has right. a love of jet skis. But the uh, the theory goes that when he goes into the McDonald's, he recognizes something in it, Mobius, and he, he wants to eat all the apple pies. He's been snacking every single episode. So the the it also lines up kind of time wise because that's back in time that's in the eighties so Mobius would be the right age if that was young Mobius um, and also there is something about like Mobius talking about like oh yeah you're Loki you're the one that I like or something like that or like I like this one so maybe he met Sylvie back in time or something like that and that he is that variant I don't know what whatever it is. It doesn't. I think it, it would seems, be. Yeah, it would be fun though. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I was time traveling, I would go back to the eighties McDonald's just to, you know, to have like a little taste test to be like, is it better? Is it yeah, the same? It probably like, is. Like, a lot more fat and salt. Let's be honest. Oh. Can we before we get too far into the plot? And I'm totally happy to go back to your positive, happy space in a second, Pete. But because we talked about him from a MCU chronology episode, I do want to talk about the other side of things and talk about Jonathan Majors in this episode. So Jonathan Majors has been accused of multiple um, assaults. Uh, he's been accused by a bunch of other things. He has a trial date that is coming up pretty rapidly. I think as we're taping, it's two days from now at this point. So maybe by the time you're listening it, it's already started. Um, that's not great. And that was definitely weighing over me the entire time. It's something we've talked about a little bit. It certainly puts a pall over the entire show in terms of and entire MCU in terms of knowing he is still involved and they haven't changed anything about it. But even beyond that, I got to say, he was bad in this episode. Oh, he was killing me. The dramatic pauses he was taking was like nails on a chalkboard in this episode. It was driving me nuts. I was like finish a fucking sentence like uh yeah, he was reminded me of uh there's someone on the wing some mm-hmm. you know like dude well so here's what to, here's what i think he was going for he stated pretty clearly in interviews for quantum mania that he wanted to make each of the variants very different he wanted to bring a different performance to all of them so he's clearly trying to make it different from he who remains make it different from kang Right. It's smart. You know, that way you can kind of like help keep it all straight in your head. Because if you've got to play different characters, you got to know, okay, this Kang has a little bit of a stutter or has a little bit of a speech, whatever. Like, great. Right. Helps you organize it. Makes sense. I love it. But it was it it was rough to kind of. Yes, uh, it's clearly him making a choice and then nobody telling him it was the wrong choice because it is. No, I, I, when you get a, an actor on the show who is, 
I mean, all this bullshit aside, like before anybody knew any of that was happening, mm-hmm. he was uh, he was a hot actor, and people were probably he's a, maybe too big for notes. Where the I mean, who's going to say to him, "Hey, listen, um, this is awful. Can you make a different choice?" Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. like you said, I think the choice was one of two things: either he decided that the character had a stutter. And that certainly implies the pauses and thinking about what he's saying and the specificity or alternately, because he's a genius, he could have been playing it a little autistic as well. I felt that mm-hmm. at certain points, but it wasn't consistent the it way wasn't. that he delivered Also, things. like I, you know, I, I, for a while I thought maybe like he's doing the thing of like playing dumb because mm-hmm. there's all these things happening around him. He doesn't want to reveal to people who he kind of is or what his master plan is yet. So um, I thought maybe there was a little bit of that going on as well. Yeah, but I don't think so because he's the same way in private. That's just how he's delivering the lines. The thing that was even more frustrating to me is the lines and the scenarios, like I said earlier, were written like he was a flim flam man, like we were talking about. He's a con man. And that sort of thing is like fast talking and old timey. And that's how they wrote the lines. And that's how the scenes happen. And because of the way that Jonathan Majors was delivering this stuff, it dragged everything out so long. It was driving me insane. Like, when they finally got to the chase scene, at least that had some movement to it because he wasn't talking. But all of the stuff should have been him talking fast, him being smooth talking, him being charming and roguish. Because the whole point of the show is it's called Loki. It is a reflection of Loki. He is a con man because Loki is a con man and it's a reflection and extension of him. So how does that contrast with him? How is Loki, who is on this journey to anti-heroism or heroism, figuring that out very plainly in this episode in multiple multiple instances, what happens when he runs up against something who has never made it out of the con man stage, which is where Victor Timely is? Instead, we get this performance that draw it sucks all the attention onto him and takes it off of Loki where it should be, and it's very frustrating. So on multiple levels... It didn't work because it was it dragged the scenes, it contrast it conflicted with the script, and then also it did the one thing you don't do in an actor, which is drew all the focus onto Jonathan Majors instead of allowing it to spread out on everybody else. Everybody else had to the rework of bringing the gravity to him. It was just front to back, absolutely bad. I do hope I mean I could speak to it because I've seen it, but like I will see if it gets better in the next episode, but this episode was just grueling to watch when I wanted to have fun. Like I wanted to enjoy Miss Minutes as an old timey black and white cartoon clock turning into a giant ghost oh, creature. Oh yeah, the herd the kind of like That's turning into the Godzilla of uh, you know the eighteen nineties was just yeah. that was that was awesome and but how it, that was it, like the thing in the paper that caught their eye was very great. fun like really fun, fun details there but instead yeah. like even with the fight I want to see like a fight between Loki and Sylvie should matter to me but instead all the focus is on like please don't hurt this Poochie who's behind me who we suddenly care about more than absolutely anything because we need his face to open a machine so that we can go to another machine. Like there's a, they're giving me so many barriers to care about this stuff when I want to care about this stuff. 
It's very frustrating. Anyway, I got a little too far afield. Go back to your positive stuff, Pete. What else did you like? Well, also, I just think that the uh, the reason I really like there, I like Sylvie for a lot of reasons. One, she's over. She's over it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She's like, who do we got to kill so I can get back to working at McDonald's? I, I do think that there's something fun about somebody who is just kind of really protecting the one time in her life that she was happy. I think we all have like a job that, you know, maybe was like a McDonald's or something where we weren't getting paid a lot, but we still had fun and kind of managed it. It, it ended up being kind of a nice situation. And I think that's what's interesting about Sylvie protecting this kind of one timeline or this one thing is it's like this sweet spot for her of like, all I have to worry about is managing this little McDonald's location. You know what I mean? My Mm -hmm. world is now just these couple of employees that come and go and we try to, you know, give people, uh, you know, whatever. So I just think that that's like a cool want that I can get behind. And I, Mm -hmm. And the fact that she is kind of like the muscle who shows up and is like, who do I got to stab because I got to go to work tomorrow is a kind of a fun uh, thing that I can get behind very much. I I will say I agree with you on all that. I want a little more emotional texture given to Mm -hmm. her because Sophia DiMartino is so good. The relationship between Sylvie and Loki is so good. Yes. This episode, like you're saying, she's kind of just the badass who comes in and wrecks shit. And she can do so much more than that. So I want to explore her more. We've seen it. I want to see it again. And I want to focus on it because the first season was so good focusing on that. Loki and Sylvie, mainly Loki, Sylvie, and as a very strong second, maybe tied with Mobius. That's what I want to get to is that core trio. Because right now, Mobius is a goof stumbling around eating snacks, which is fun. I love Owen Wilson. <laughs> it's but Owen I want, Wilson, dude. You can't expect I know, but Owen I want, Wilson no, I want more. to be more than Owen Wilson. But he right. was... Uh, he's, okay, sorry, sorry. So then we have the fun kind of missteps of Miss Minutes and Renslayer in this episode, which I feel like is very interesting because all they had to do was just kind of be cool, but they couldn't hold their shit together. You know what I mean? Like they turned on each other and really kind of fucked shit up for themselves, which left things open for our good guys to kind of get in there, which... Uh, kind of works as a story, but I was kind of surprised that Miss Minutes and all of her wisdom and all of her kind of was completely uh, oversharing and completely blowing it with uh, Kang. So but both of those things I didn't like. And the reason I didn't like it is because you have Ravona Larenslayer, a character who is smart enough to run the TVA for a very long time. And Miss Minutes, who, like you said, is this devious cartoon clock who does almost everything in creation And the first one doesn't seem to know much. Like, she's just kind of wandering around and following what Miss Minutes is telling her. She eventually does make some moves towards the end, but barely. And Miss Minutes' main motivation seems to be like, I want to fuck Keg. Like, that is (laughs) her main motivation to this episode. Very weird. Give me a body so we can touch each other. Do you know what it reminded me of? And this is a very specific comic reference. But do you remember in Mark Millar's Ultimates 1 and 2, how there was always this very icky, uncomfortable relationship between Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver where you're like, is this an incest thing? Are you going for like an incest thing? What's going on here? And then Jeff Loeb in Ultimates 3, the first issue was like, well, we're fucking. And it was like... (laughs) 
Uh, we knew that, but you just removed all subtext there. And it's the same thing with Miss Minutes, where the way that Tara Strong was delivering the dialogue in season one was like, the great and almighty he who remains. Yeah. You're like, okay, I think there's something a little weird in this relationship, but we don't need to delve into it any further. Just kind of leave it at that. This was literally like, give me a lady body. <laughs> and the visuals were good. I like the visual of her putting her face on the dummy was really oh. creepy and cool. Yeah, yeah, they did that. That was really well done. I didn't like anything around it. You know, no. it was. Bummer. I did like the Red Slayer moment of like when she, when they put they like the classic like rookie mistake. Don't be the first one to fall asleep when you're in a fucking group <laughs> of evil henchmen. Um, she wakes up in the boat and her just like determination of like, you ain't getting away. I'm going to fucking row after you. It was such a cool kind of like, uh, it reminded me a little bit of kind of like the Baroness from the G.I. Joe episodes. Um, I just think that like, there is a lot of potential with these villains. Yeah. And they were kind of, uh, kind of running into each other. And everybody's, everybody's sort of dumbed down in this episode. And I think, I don't know. I think it's to plus up Victor Timely in his introduction because this is a big introduction to the series. This is a big expansion for the MCU. And it feels like they were like, like I was joking about with the Poochie on the Simpsons thing. It was very much like, let's pivot the entire show to be about Victor Timely at everybody else's expense, you know, because there's so much more they could do. Like one scene that I thought was great that I wanted so much more from was Loki and Mobius going to the Norway exhibition and seeing the god wood carvings there. And they see Odin, they see Thor, they see Baldur the Brave. They have the fun Mm -hmm. little discussion. and just where's you? Yeah, Baldur the Brave, nobody knows who he is. And just for anybody who doesn't know this, this is like almost an anti-Easter egg for the MCU where Baldur the Brave is a character from the comics, from the mythology, but also from the comics. And he's very big in the comics. And... They wanted to get him in Thor 1, 2, and 3, and also in Doctor Strange of the Multiverse of Madness. He was supposed to be played by Daniel Craig, and it never worked out. So uh, Mobius being like, Paul the Brave, yeah, and is a reference to this thing that like has never happened. It's a great reference. I loved how much it bothered Loki. It was great. That was good. I wanted more of that. Like I wanted them to go into the exhibition and see what that means. Like make the episode about that instead of whatever we got you know well regardless of you know being upset about this episode i also like where it ended because i'm excited about the forward movement that we're getting Mm -hmm. right we're moving things forward we have problems we're kind of now that we have a version of kang that that we're kind of bringing back here, and uh, uh, I, we we have this problem with the loom that maybe can get solved, so we can kind of get back to everything else that's going on. So I'm, yeah, it was there were some real nails across the chalkboard moments in this episode, and obviously the stuff that's happening in real life for these actors is really bullshit, and 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 sucks that it's kind of ruining this for us. But I do think that if we can get back to what makes uh, Loki great a uh, TV show, then I think we'll we'll be all right. Um, do you want me and, to make you a green shirt, a uh, green hat that says "Make Loki Great Again"? Oh my god! No. I, I can do it. No, I don't. I can do it. I, I know you can. Uh, I don't. Birthday. I don't want that. I don't want any part of that. Mm. Uh, there are a couple of other things that I wanted to talk about real quick. 
Um, oh, uh, I think the two things, uh, not to pick on something very specific, but this drove me nuts, is in the scene where Obi was explaining what's wrong with the lube and what they need to do, yeah. Loki saying, wait, simpler. I just that's such a hacky thing to do. The whole like, uh, English, please. That whole like, let's just skip past it. These are all smart characters. Loki's a god, he's been around for thousands of years. Yeah, but what do you want him to do? Just be like, dumb it down for the audience. Like, no, I, I know, I, I but just, like, that's but that what they're doing. Like, just don't go for the joke as writers. Like, you don't need to do that. Trust your audience's yeah, yeah. intelligence. How dare they try to entertain us with a bit there? It's like the dumbest bit in the book, though. That's all. Um, yeah. I did want to mention, oh, getting back to the Norway thing real quick. Um, I did some research about that, and there was actually a Norway exhibition at the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago. Oh, wow. But it wasn't that. It was a reproduction of a vi old Viking boat that they had found in Norway that 12 guys rode over the Atlantic some and that obviously like didn't keep rowing because you can't do that, but took it to Chicago and it's actually still in Chicago or right outside Chicago to this day. It's called the Viking and you could visit it and it looks nothing like the thing on Loki. So take oh. that. And they also have one of those in uh, Minnesota that I saw. It's this giant uh, Viking ship. That they said oh, uh, a lot of inland Viking ships. Very yeah. weird. Yeah. Last thing I wanted to ask you this, Pete. What's your theory? At the end, Miss Minutes says she knows the secret about Ravoda, and she says, it's going to make you really angry. What do you think it is? Well, it's something to do with her original timeline, I think, of where mm -hmm. they pulled her from. Um, and, yeah, and which I'm happy we're going to get revealed because I want to know, like, we need her on one side or the other already. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, because... I, I like her and our Morbius. They had some real fun moments together. So, like, I'm hoping, you know, she kind of snaps out of it and joins the good guys. Because um, I like her as an actor and uh, and uh, like her in scenes. So I think she's very enjoyable. And it would be great to kind of have her on our side. But I also really, you know, it's hard because it's like... <clears throat> I struggle with Loki sometimes because sometimes I want just silly episodes where we get mm -hmm. like Throg and like because like the the alligator Loki was so enjoyable, you know, and it's like sometimes I just want the the show to lean into the silliness a little bit more. But then like we're getting into pl plot stuff. I'm like, all right, come on, like, let's get through all this so we can get to some uh, fun action. So. I don't know, uh, but I do like uh, where this ended and uh, what what's going to be kind of revealed in the next step and how we're all going to kind of get through this and hopefully kill Kang and then we'll, we won't have to worry about him ever in the MCU again. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to work that out. Uh, it sounds like you already went to the vision board. Um, I did. For I me, did. the big thing I want from this season, which I thought we were getting towards in the second episode and lost again in this third episode, is I'm going to get back to Loki. Like, the again, I know I'm harping on this and I'm repeating myself, but the show is called Loki, and the first season was so focused on have, making sure everything came out of his character and emphasize that. I don't, I don't need to see Tom Hiddleston run around and be like, the TVA, the TVA is the most important thing. Because what does that tell me about Loki? Not much. So if we can get back to that next episode, also really focus on the Loki and Sylvie relationship, get more for Sylvie. I think that'll be great. 
Um, I think it's yeah. important to remember the wise words of Paula Abdul, who said, you take one step forward, I take two steps back. Mm. You know, so the third episode is that two steps back. So uh, we're now in the, we're going to get another step forward. Do and you then think Miss Minutes episode. is going to turn into a cartoon cat next episode? And do oh, that would be, I mean, come on. You know, pretty sweet. Yeah. DJ Scat Minutes. I don't know. Whatever it is, if you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts, we do patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook. We sure do. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Marvel stuff. Apple, Spotify, uh, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok and Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. <laughs> 